Hi guys, this is Fiona from IELTS with Fiona and today I'm going to talk about something I've been wanting to talk about for a long time and I've got so many things to say about it that I kept waiting and waiting and I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm going to try and talk about it and just hope for the best. I've got my notes and I probably will sound like I'm jumping from topic to topic, but there is one key theme throughout and they are all related to the same topic. And that topic is mindset. Now, before you switch off, please just hear me out. I've written about mindset before. I've got two blogs. One of them is how to train your mindset for IELTS. And that was really talking about training as if you're training for a, a marathon, you know, planning ahead, doing things that make you feel uncomfortable, sacrificing time in front of the TV, all of that kind of thing. And the second one was called part two, how to stop making excuses and start making progress. And that was more about the kind of excuses that we all make, you know, oh, I haven't got time to study, I haven't got the money for this, um, you know, those kind of excuses that we all make. And this one, Mindset Part 3, is something a little bit different. It's something I've been using with my Members Academy students, and I think it's been really, really successful. But I really don't like to sound like I'm the kind of person that preaches that tells you what to do with your life. I'm not that kind of person and I don't like the word mindset. I ignored mindset books for years. Whenever I heard somebody talk about mindset, I would instantly switch off. I would think, look, I'm quite intelligent. I don't need somebody to tell me how to think properly. I, I didn't like all that kind of stuff. But I really do think that IELTS, success in IELTS is mindset. And actually now when anybody asks me a question that I think is too simple, the answer I will always give is mindset. So if somebody says, and somebody said the other day, how, how can I go from band seven to band eight? I think, are they really expecting a short answer to that question? So, okay, here's the short answer. The short answer is mindset. And really, mindset can answer all of the questions, the, the simple questions. So, the title of today's podcast is How to Ask Smarter Questions. There's a whole backstory to that as well. What do I mean by smarter questions? Well, as you can imagine, I get a lot of questions on a daily basis. Some of them are good and, and some of them are not. So my motto is if you ask a better question, you'll get a better answer. My dad used to say to me, 
if you ask a silly question, you'll get a silly answer. And, and it's true. It, it, it's very simple, but true that if you learn to ask the right questions, then you'll get an answer that will actually help you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about asking good questions or better questions or smarter questions. Now, the word smart, S-M-A-R-T, actually stands for something. You might perhaps know it from your experience at work. Um, your line manager might ask you to write smart goals when you're doing your job plan. I'm not sure if they still exist, but when I worked at the British Council, every year you had a job plan. And the reason for it was that it's all very well to say, okay, well, this year I'm gonna improve my teaching. <laughs> well, how can anybody check that you're, you're improving your teaching or after one year, how can you prove that you have improved your teaching? It's impossible. It's not a SMART goal. SMART means S for specific. So you have to think about why, what, when, where, and who, the WH questions. I'll give you examples, don't worry. M means is it measurable? Can you measure how much you've improved or how many students have passed or how many books you've read. It has to be measurable. Now, the next two, I think, are pretty similar. I, I often struggle to define the difference, but let's put them together. It's A and R, and it means achievable and realistic. Those are quite similar, I think, but there's no point me saying in my job plan, I am going to become the best teacher in the world. Is that realistic? Is that achievable? Can anybody be defined as the best teacher? Can that happen in one year? It's not really realistic or achievable, is it? So it's not a smart goal. And finally, the T stands for time bound. So you, you give it a deadline. You, you say, okay, by one year today, I will have completed uh, a course and you can get the name of the course uh, in programming Python. And you can give as much detail as you want. You could say, I'm going to, I will have completed the three-week course on LinkedIn in Python. And by the end of the year, I will have programmed my first whatever, whatever you do with Python. That's what I'm doing at the moment. So <laughs> I need to learn that. But you can't become a computer programmer in a month. It, it's just not realistic. It's not achievable. So you have to make your goal realistic achievable and specific. What exactly are you going to do? Which course are you going to do? How, how many hours of that course are you going to do? And is that time frame realistic? So it's really important that you make your goals smart. And some people talk about smarter goals. 
meaning E-R at the end, making your goals even smarter. And the E stands for evaluating your goal. Basically, after maybe six months, you could say, okay, am I achieving this? Have I completed the program? Do I need to review it? And that is the R. The R is for revise. You need to look at that plan and decide, was it realistic? Was it too much to expect? Or was it too easy? Should I have made a more ambitious plan? Is my goal too small? Should I put a bigger goal? And if so, you can revise that goal. So having those thoughts in mind, um, let's have a look at how that might work for you. So instead of saying, um, I'm going to improve my IELTS score this month, it's much better to be specific and say, okay, I'm going to focus on one improving one skill. I'm going to do one hour, two hours, whatever, of IELTS listening practice three times a week on a Monday, a Wednesday and a Friday at nine o'clock. And I'm going to read each tape script and aim to get maybe three more answers correct after four weeks, three more than I'm getting at the moment. If then, after one month, you review and you see nothing changed, well, you have to revise that plan. It means you have to do something differently or do more of it. And again, you'd get advice from your teacher and you'd revise that goal. And, and that's one reason why recently I've started publishing, you can get my free uh, monthly planners. They're, they're simply notebooks, but they've been organized for you so that you ensure that you're doing something from each of the four skills during the week. Now, some people would say, well, I can do that in my notebook. You can, but a blank notebook isn't going to organize you. So if you think about preparing for IELTS, like you're preparing for, say, an Iron Man, you know, those things where, or Iron Woman, where you have to swim, cycle, and run, then IELTS is an Iron Man or Iron Woman challenge. You can't just say, okay, well, yeah, I'll go swimming. You've got to say, I'm going to go swimming three times a week, and then realize you've got to go running three times a week and cycling three times a week and bodybuilding twice a week. And it doesn't fit. So you've got to plan and say, OK, realistically, I can only go swimming twice a week. That means running twice a week and cycling twice a week. That leaves one day for the gym, whatever. You've got to plan it out and you've got to stay consistent. So smarter goals will help you with all of this, especially if you've got IELTS coming up in, say, the next two or, or three months. The plan has to be really clear. You can't leave it to chance. You can't hope for the best. Unless, of course, you're already high-flying and doing really well, <laughs> which I'm sure you are. So let's bring it back to my initial mindset 
topic. And the question was, how can you make your questions smarter? So I was in the British Council webinar yesterday. It's a webinar for teachers, a monthly free webinar. I, I do recommend it if you're a teacher or a student. It was really useful. Um, you know, it, it, they, they go through an example. They went through a task one example, and it was really interesting. Um, but there were, I was noticing, I was looking at the questions in the chat and thinking, oh, my goodness, <laughs> I can't believe you're asking that question. That's not an important question. And the most common answer that the trainer gave was, mm, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, questions like, oh, what if I put one paragraph followed by another paragraph or three paragraphs in part one? And the the presenter tended, tended to say, um, well, it doesn't matter. Mm, that doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't matter. So the questions were really things about, about things that didn't matter. And the most common question right at the start was, will I get a certificate? Now, I know certificates are important for professional development, I guess, to show your boss that you've done some training over the weekend. But it's not the important question. Getting a piece of paper, it's not an important question. So why? train my students to do in the members academy is to think to question their questions and for various reasons which I'll go through today um you know first of all is is that question worth asking or could you just google it and then secondly is that question smart or can you rephrase it to make a smarter question? And what I've noticed with my students, we, we did a, a, week, a monthly um, live session for all members, even if you just got a, a $1 thing from my shop. Everybody's in the Facebook group and we have this monthly session now. And yeah, it was all about looking at how you can ask the right questions and, and change your questions to get a better answer. And my students, have, they've really gone with this. And I'm going to show you some examples that they asked me that I think were really smart questions. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that that will filter through to people like on my social media. So yesterday I got a question how can I improve my writing and I just said well how do you think you can improve your writing and I've noticed when I do this either it it encourages the student to start thinking for themselves or they just don't reply because the reply is too difficult isn't it and then if it's difficult for you to reply then it's difficult for me to reply in a short way. So the question is, is, is not a smart question. And then I got another one yesterday. Can you send me a file 
that helps me get a high score in all IELTS 4 skills. Can you send me a file that helps me get a high score? <sighs> Again, you know, how can you answer that question? How can you answer that question? A file. And it makes me feel bad because the answer is no, I can't send you a file. I've got hundreds, thousands of files to help you get a high score. So anyway, yeah, let's let's <laughs> let's come and have a look at some smart questions that I got recently. Now, Stefano is one of my um, master smart question questioner. <laughs> he asked me the other day, he said, okay, I was looking at your general training lesson, maybe lesson five, for example, and it was a letter of complaint. And at the end of the letter of complaint, you wrote, can you arrange for the microwave to be collected from my house? And so he'd been very specific. He'd given me the exact context. He said, okay, it's a letter of complaint. It was in your lesson. I did the lesson, so I'm not asking you to just teach me the lesson. I did the lesson, but I don't understand this last sentence. And by him asking me that, it almost took up the whole of the FAQs live session because it was such a useful and important question. It made us look at that sentence and think about, well, what's a simple way of asking that sentence? You could say, can you collect my microwave? It's simple, it's correct, but it's it's a band five. It's a bit maybe too direct or it's just not complex, that's all. You could say, I would like you to collect my microwave. Band six, a bit more complex. I would like you to, more polite. If you said, I would like my microwave to be collected, well, then you've got a band seven. You're using the passive as well. If you say, I would be grateful if you could arrange for my microwave to be collected, it's just a more complex sentence. It's band eight. And we talked about the grammar involved in writing that sentence. And funnily enough, it was actually on a British Council Facebook post in a different context. It was about formal and informal language. And the example would was something like, um, I would be grateful if you could, could arrange for, for me to be collected at the station, something like that. And the informal letter was, can you pick me up? You know, phrasal verbs. So, it just brought out so much discussion and language and useful learning just because he made that very smart question. When I asked him before we started, I said, do you think that's a smart question? He, he said no, because he's very modest. And I, I think it's an extremely smart question. And then Boris is another one in the WhatsApp group who always asks me smart questions. And they're smart because he's done the research. He says, um, like today, he said, look, I'm doing grammar in, you know, Murphy, that book Murphy. And I'm doing this lesson. It's all about, I think it was word order or something. And there was this question. He typed out the book two two choices and he said I, I think they're both correct but Murphy says only one is correct and 
I, I said, Boris, you're absolutely right. They're both correct. So the lesson we'd learned from that was ask a smart question, ask the question, think about it. Think, you know, why do you think it's wrong? Or why do you think, you know, if, if, if you think that something might be wrong, hang on, I've got another example here. Um, so somebody said, I uh, just sent me a student and a student sent me a sentence and he said, is this sentence correct? Well, my answer was this. Why do you think it's wrong? Be specific. Tell me what do you think is wrong in that sentence? Have you checked it? You know, there are tools these days. If you use a Google Doc, a blue line will come up if it's wrong. Have you used something like Grammarly? So, you know, do the work first. Tell me what you think is wrong and then I can help you. But me saying, yes, it's correct. It's not helpful. It's not helpful to you and it's not helpful to others. You know, a, a lot of the questions that we ask in the Members Academy, they're shared and, the, you know, they, they help everybody. So the, the Facebook group has kind of become a little quieter recently because I think people are thinking, well, I can find out that answer for myself. I can, I can check that myself. And this ultimately is what's going to lead you to becoming a, a much better learner. So let me go through some other kind of questions that I think um, you should be asking. And one of these is, I, I need to find an article on this, but my sister told me about it. It's the, called the five questions. And it means you should ask why five times. And by the fifth why, you'll, you'll get an answer. So the example is somebody who asks me, I need help with IELTS. First of all, it's not a question. This is the most common uh, email I get. I need help with IELTS. No context, no <laughs> what kind of help do you need, what you're having problems with. So it's relying on the teacher to ask all those questions. Well, why... You know, wouldn't it be better if you if you try to break it down a little bit and then the teacher would know better how to help you? So when I got that question, I need help with IELTS, I said, why? The answer was because I keep getting band six again. There's no question there. So I said, well, why do you keep getting band six? The answer was uh, because I haven't got time to study. I could say, why haven't you got time to study? But I thought it was a bit annoying. So I said, well, how can you find time to study? And then the person said, well, I could give up my football at the weekend for a few weeks. Yeah, great. That The answer was there. So, you know, this could go on and on with different questions. But Students often have the answers to those simple questions. If if you need help with IELTS, there's a problem. You know what the solution is. Maybe you don't like the solution. Maybe you you don't need it. You you maybe you want 
a solution, <laughs> but you don't need it. So that's another thing I've said recently, you know, people asking me for a free course, like, do you need a free free course or do you, do you want a free course? And the question about whether you're, you're just interested in doing IELTS or are you committed to doing IELTS? That's another question I've been asking recently because the people who say, um, oh, I will you send me a file? It's kind of people who are interested in IELTS, but they're not committed to it. And I can't really help people who aren't committed to helping themselves. It, it's mindset again. Either you're interested in something and it's a hobby, use the free stuff, or you're committed to improving your score. And that's not going to be easy, probably not going to be free or cheap. The next one is, so that's the five whys. Um, the next really important mindset issue is questions about quantity. Now, this is a whole blog again, but questions asking how many, how much, how often, those kind of questions, I think you're going down the wrong track. So questions like um, how many videos are there in your academy? Oh, it doesn't matter. What's important is the quality, not the quantity. How long are the videos? Doesn't matter how long the videos are. It just has to be enough to get the learning outcome achieved. How long? Doesn't matter. In fact, I spent hours making my videos shorter because long videos, you lose attention. You maybe don't get straight to the point. So I cut and cut and cut my videos to make them shorter. So if I said to you, oh, there's only a three-minute video each day, you might think, oh, three minutes, that's not very good. But actually, three minutes is often much better than 30 minutes, depending on what you're trying to achieve. I think the question about quality and quantity is the same like you'd ask about a good book. You, 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 the most important question is, is it a good book? Not how many pages does it have? You know, it's the same about seeing a movie, like a James Bond movie. Would you say, was it a good film or would you say, how long was it? You know, if it's two hours, does that make it a better film? So these questions about quality and quantity, how often should I practice? Well, probably more than you're doing at the moment. How often do you think you should practice? Are you seeing progress? Then you're not practicing enough, you know? And the questions about quantity also relate a lot to money and is there a discount? So the discount mindset, I think, is, is one of the things that is holding a lot of people back. They're only thinking about, okay, if your course is $30 instead of $35, I'll buy it. 
and they'll wait. They'll wait and wait and wait, maybe till Black Friday once a year. They'll hope for a discount. And it, it's another way of procrastinating. I'll, I'll only join your course if you give me a discount. Well, you're not helping yourself. Discounts, are, you know, discounts are fake anyway, don't you? I mean, anybody can put a number, a price on a course and say it's a discount. I even saw the British Council doing it the other day. They've got new courses. And I thought, oh, my goodness, already they, they haven't even had a course. They say it was 100 and now it's 80 or something. I don't know. Discounts, forget it. Just forget the discount. Saving five bucks is not going to make the difference between you improving your IELTS and and staying stuck. Take a risk. Sometimes not risking is riskier than risking. Just do it. Just, you know, money is there to be made. Once you get your IELTS, you'll get a fantastic job and you'll think, why did I stop buying that course just because it didn't have a $5 discount? I mean, I know most courses online promote that, but it just gives you that mentality. Oh, it's got a discount. It must be good. And it, it's simply not true. So stop looking at discounts. Start looking at what the course provides and how it transforms you, how it can transform you. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I could talk on and on and on about that. I shall stop there. I think I'm going to my last point now, which is baby bird syndrome. Somebody told me about this, and I think I've totally been guilty of this in 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 my trying to learn stuff like about tech. You know, so every online course creator wants you to buy their course. So of course they're going to give you free stuff in the hope that you will ultimately, at some point, pay them for their work or, yeah, buy, buy a course. But it does, in the same way that the discount mindset has a negative effect, that the baby bird syndrome means that you're constantly expecting people to feed you with free stuff. And I know people hop around like baby birds, just get this free PDF, oh, this free download, but they, they don't commit to anything or anybody. They, they, they're just getting bitty information and bitty free stuff and kind of expecting people to do the work for them. And... A question I often get is this, like, how can I read faster? Now, how can I read faster? It, a teacher can't answer that kind of question in one sentence. And if they could, then you could answer it yourself. You know, if it's a simple answer, you can answer it yourself. How can you get better at anything? How can you run faster? How can you get stronger? How can you lose weight? If there's a simple answer, then you know it. You don't need to ask that question. How can I understand more of the text? Well, you know, 
Can you answer that question yourself? I'm sure you can. And if you can't answer it yourself, then the best thing to do is to do some research. Everything's free online. Go, go away, do some research, ask some smart questions, and you'll, you'll find the answer. And if you don't want to do any research, then, you know, if you want the quick version, then in my course, I think I've answered absolutely everything. We, we have a, a weekly takeaway where anything I've missed in the course or anything new that comes up, I'll answer it. And everybody's got access to that once they're in the academy. You've got you've got access to it. So if you don't want to spend time looking for the answer, then you've got to commit in a different way. And that could be joining a course where the answers are there for you. Um, in fact, the other day I had somebody ask a question. Um, are your what was it? It was, are your essays all band nine essays? Or it was something like, should should I should I use your model essays as examples of good essays? And and I wrote back and I said, Well, why would I publish essays that are not good? <laughs> you know, and then and somebody else said, um, oh, I'd like to know something about writing I want to see a model answer and I think this was somebody in the members academy and I said um okay great have you done the writing course yet and they said no I haven't started it yet and I thought well of course if you do the course you'll find the answer to the question so, so all of the questions that I get the answers are in the course but if you've got extra questions, then make it smart. If you ask a smart question, you're going to get a lot more help. Because I think teachers get just to get a bit tired of asking the same, answering the same simple questions. They're, they're just too simple and the answer is obvious. So teachers delight in getting difficult questions. I love them. I'm not saying don't ask questions. I really love getting difficult questions, especially if it's something I've never thought of before or um, something I can do research on. I, I actually like doing that. So I don't discourage you from asking questions, but I encourage you to ask smarter questions because I think this will change your mindset and change the way that you approach IELTS and I think you'll see a huge shift in your progress. I, I'm sure you will because I've seen it happen to my students. I just see them develop critical thinking skills, learner independence skills and I think I attract uh, a more serious type of learner by encouraging them to do that. So I appreciate each and every one of you listening to this because I know you're a serious learner and you're here even though I'm talking non-stop 
and a lot of it might not be making sense. But the blog will be ready soon, I promise. I was using excuses. I was saying, I can't do the podcast until I've done the blog. Oh, I can't do the blog until I've done the podcast. Well, my advice to you, as to myself, just do it. Just do it. You might regret it. Doesn't matter. Doing something is better than doing nothing. So just do it. Commit. And let me know how you get on. If you've got any smart questions for me, please leave me a message. You can contact me on my website, ielsetc.com. You can leave an audio message on the podcast. Um, Social media, you know where I am, IELTS with Fiona, or um, email me, info at ieltsetc.com. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. Remember, I'm only here to help. I hope I didn't say anything that maybe upset you. That's just, I don't mean to. Sometimes the way it comes out and I'm sorry, but thank you for listening. I appreciate you. I respect you. And I want the best for you. So chat to you soon. Bye-bye.